Can Gabe Davis be more of a factor in the short passing game? The Dalton Kincaid hype is heating up even more, and other notes from day two of Buffalo Bills training camp are coming your way today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, day two of Buffalo Bills training camp is now in the books. And what I want to do today is reflect on a couple of big narratives that came out of what happened on day two. And those big narratives to me are Gabe Davis and his potential role in the short passing game, the Dalton Kincaid hype train. I want to talk a little James Cook, check in on some of the position battles. Got a lot to get into here today on the podcast. So let's get started with Gabe Davis. And the day started with offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey meeting with the media for a press conference. And I started listening to that, and I started to really take my mind into a lot of different places based on what he was saying. And I really enjoyed listening to Ken and thought he was very comfortable with how he answered questions. And when you contrast it to last year, Ken Dorsey at camp during press conferences, you can see that he's really settled in from that component of being able to answer questions and really just feel comfortable discussing things. And he talked a lot about Gabe Davis, and he talked a lot about Dalton Kincaid. And I want to focus in on some of those comments. We'll start with Gabe Davis. This is what Ken Dorsey said that really put me into a bit of a spiral with my mind. Ken Dorsey said, Gabe Davis can be used more in the short passing game. And he said that you need to make sure that players can attack all levels of the field. And it's something that Gabe can do. Then we heard from Gabe Davis after practice, and he said some compelling things. He said that he felt like he lost a step when he suffered a high ankle sprain early in the 2022 season that impacted him for the entire season. He said it messed with his head. He said it was a big mental challenge fighting through when knowing his body won't allow him to do everything that he wants to do. And of course, he let us know that he feels fully back to normal and healthy. Gabe Davis also talked about getting more opportunities in the short passing game and how that would help and specifically discussed, hey, when most of your targets are coming 15 yards or more down the field, they're harder catches to make, they're harder throws to make, and it's just not as efficient. I would agree with that. Then he also talked about how his relationship with Stefan Diggs is really meaningful and really appreciates Stefan Diggs' support. And he mentioned the comments that Steph Diggs made in the media 
yesterday, which would have been on Wednesday, and that Diggs said, look, if I wasn't here, Gabe Davis can be a wide receiver one. And then he also talked about how the bosses are on his side, meaning Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, Ken Dorsey, when Gabe was kind of asked about his contract situation and you know, kind of the long-term outlook with his role in Buffalo. But the big prevailing thought here is Gabe Davis in the short passing game. And I've said a lot about Gabe Davis this offseason, a lot. Probably one of the biggest talking points that I've had. And I've had some criticisms for him. And it's not that I don't think Gabe Davis can be a really good receiver in the NFL. It's just that he has a very specific type of skill set and a limited skill set that I think without the proper support doesn't allow him to help your offense as much as maybe a different player could. And so I'm going to get into some data here, and it's going to sound like I'm bashing Gabe Davis, but it gets to a point that I want you to stick with me to understand what I'm trying to communicate. So I want to focus in again, like I mentioned, on the short passing game, and I want to look at two different metrics. One is average depth of target, and one is the success that Gabe Davis has had, or I guess hasn't had, making an impact in the short passing game by looking at his target distribution and what the results of those targets were over the last five seasons. So big narrative with Gabe Davis is the average depth of target, right? A lot of targets down the field. And I've commented that I think the reason this is true is because Gabe Davis isn't an asset in the short passing game because he doesn't have the route running ability to really separate quick and be an asset, right? He doesn't have a lot of agility or elusiveness, a lot of fluidity in and out of breaks. He's not super explosive in short areas, and I think that limits him in that capacity. And so, therefore, you've seen a lot of his opportunities come down the field, and that's been consistent every single year. And it's not just a Ken Dorsey thing. So if you think Ken Dorsey's just an idiot that can't coach football, well, the average depth of target was also true with Brian Dable for multiple seasons and Josh Heupel for multiple seasons. And Josh Heupel was Gabe Davis's coach at UCF, who is now the head coach at Tennessee, who just hung 60-something points on Alabama last year. So if you think he's an idiot coaching offense, I don't know what to tell you. But you see a trend here, a very clear trend, 2022. Gabe Davis's average depth of target, 16.8 yards from the line of scrimmage. That's Ken Dorsey. 2021, 15.3 with Brian Dayball. 2020, 17.4 with Brian Dayball. 2019 with Josh Heupel, 16.5. 2018 with Josh Heupel, 14.3. So you've got five years of data across three different offensive coordinators that have all believed that it's best to use Gabe Davis down the field. That's what that number very clearly tells you. But where things get very concerning is when you say, hey, we'd like to use Gabe Davis more in the short passing game, and then you look back at what has happened when Gabe Davis has been used in the short passing game. And so I'm going to give you that data. So on targets from zero to nine yards from the line of scrimmage, that's your short passing window. This is what it looked like every year over the last five years. So last season, 2022, 26% of Gabe's targets came zero to nine yards. And the results, 14 completions on 28 targets, 93 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, 
and a passer rating of 42.7. Go back to 2021. 27% of Gabe's targets were within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. 10 catches, 10, uh, excuse me, 10 catches, 20 targets, 83 yards, one touchdown, one interception, passer rating of 77.7. 2020, 28% of Gabe's targets came within nine yards of the line of scrimmage, 13 catches on 20 targets, 118 yards, one touchdown, one interception, passer rating of 76.7. 2019, 34.4% of Gabe's targets came, and this is going back to UCF now, right? This is college football. 34.4% of targets within nine yards of the line of scrimmage, 30 catches, 44 targets, 288 yards, one touchdown, one interception, passer rating of 84.3. And then the last year I want to bring up is 2018, 46.6% of targets uh, within nine yards of the line of scrimmage, 28 catches, 41 targets, 206 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, passer rating of 69.8. Folks, those numbers are not good. So I don't get very excited when you say to me, Gabe Davis is going to get more opportunities in the short passing game. He's not productive doing that. He hasn't been for five years. I don't think he's going to reinvent himself as a football player this year and all of a sudden be this quick separation specialist that warrants targets in the short area of the field. So why could it work, right? Why could more targets for Gabe Davis in the short area of the field work? Well, for the, the answer there is physicality. Gabe Davis is a very physical wide receiver, and it's a big reason why he can win vertically. Gabe Davis isn't an explosive wide receiver, yet he wins down the field. Well, that's because there's multiple ways to win down the field. It's not just being able to run by everybody. You have to be able to stack, which means get on top of a cornerback vertically, right? and position yourself to be able to establish vertical leverage down the field. Gabe Davis is outstanding at that. He stacks, he gets on top of guys, and it's impossible for these, these corners to play through him, and so he establishes that leverage, and it positions him well to win down the field. So he's good vertically despite not being explosive. It's not like Deshaun Jackson, right? Deshaun Jackson, great vertical receiver, completely opposite skill set of Gabe Davis. Now, why could involving Gabe Davis in the short passing game fail? Well, because it always has, right? Five years of data telling you that it doesn't really work, even when he's healthy, right? So if you want to point to 2022, great. I'll point back to 2022 plus the previous four seasons. He doesn't have the type of skill set that really works. Now, here's the point that I want to get to. I said it's going to sound like I'm bashing Gabe Davis. All of that is okay. It became an issue in 2022 because, number one, Gabe Davis's opportunity went up, right? He became a high-volume target for the offense. But more importantly was the lack of a slot presence. That lack of a slot presence put Gabe in a tough spot because coverage can kind of be mindful of him and how he wins and kind of takes away from your offensive spacing. But now that you're in this world where you have a slot presence that can separate and get open and challenge the middle of the field, whether it's Kincaid or Hardy or Shakir, whoever you want to put in there, that's going to allow Gabe Davis to excel at what he does. The point that I want to make is let Gabe Davis do what he's good at and don't ask him to do the things that he's not good at and hasn't consistently produced in that area. Again, it was an issue 
because of the role that he commanded last year and the absence of the other skill sets in the Bills' offense that didn't exist that exacerbated the problem. So let Gabe do what Gabe does well. And this is actually going to tie into some of the thoughts that I have in the next segment here as we get into Dalton Kincaid. But first, I need to tell you about eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So with draft prep underway for the upcoming season, let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. If you're looking to make a smooth turn in fantasy football snake drafts with the last pick in the first round and the first pick in the second round, you'll be guaranteed to have two of the surest performers by going all AFC West with Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams and Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Adams has proven that he remains a reliable top selection in Vegas, while Mahomes will again operate with both the highest floor and ceiling among the standout luxury options at the quarterback position. Vinny Iyer of Fantasy Football, Locked On Fantasy Football, is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With eBay Guaranteed Fit and over 122 million parts and accessories for your vehicle, Right at your fingertips, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Air filters, brakes, batteries, taillights, alternators, shocks, struts, you name it, eBay Motors has it, and will make sure it's the right fit for your car. Because eBay Guaranteed Fit helps you understand exactly what part you need for your vehicle the first time. So go forth, switch gears, crank the AC, and say goodbye to sweating if your ride needs a little fixing up. Because now you know you'll always be set up for success from the get-go with eBay Guaranteed Fit Everything your vehicle is calling for is just a click away. For the parts and accessories that fit your vehicle, just look for the green check. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, folks, let's talk about Dalton Kincaid. And I got a feeling we're going to be talking about Dalton Kincaid a lot and for a long time here on this podcast. and. That's okay with me. I want to first kind of get into what Ken Dorsey said about Dalton Kincaid. I want to talk about what Dawson Knox said about Dalton Kincaid and then calibrate our expectations. Ken Dorsey on Dalton Kincaid. There's a vision for him and how we want to utilize him. We don't want to skip steps in player development. As to learn the foundation of our offense, he's made great strides. He's smart, tough, and dependable. And we like what we've seen. Said he has tremendous route running ability, knows how to attack leverage and set up defenders with his route stem, has outstanding body control and speed through his cuts, just has a natural feel for the game. He gets things right on the first rep when some guys need four, five, or six reps to get something down. I'm really excited for his development. And some high praise there from the OC. How about Dawson Knox? Here's what Dawson Knox said about Dalton Kincaid. Knox said, Kincaid fits in well with the guys. He has a great personality. He was raised the right way, has great values. It's hard not to like him. Said he would be friends with him even if they weren't teammates. Knox called Kincaid a natural route runner with a great feel for the defense. Said he has great hands. He's shifty with great speed. 
and his route running for a rookie is incredible. Pretty high praise there for the rook. Uh, Knox also said this. He said uh, that Hill, and I, by Hill I mean Knox, will be in line more when they're both on the field. And then, of course, he talked a lot about the challenges that they present for defenses when they're both on the field together. And then also Gabe Davis was asked about Dalton Kincaid and said, amongst other things, that he's very confident. And I love, I love hearing that word confident. I think confidence, when you think about great performers at any sport, the single common denominator between all of them is confidence. You have to be confident in what you're doing. And I think to hear words like that in a good way about Dalton Kincaid at this point says a lot. It doesn't, you just don't get the impression that this guy is a rookie that's trying to drink water from a fire hose, right? You don't get any impression here that uh, he's swimming or it's just, it's fast for him, right? This messaging is incredible. And it's, it's been, you know, stacking up really since the Bills drafted him. When, he first got to the facility and was part of rookie minicamp and throughout OTAs. Everybody has such great things to say about Dalton Kincaid. It's so encouraging. I was actually texting with somebody in our subtext community, and we both agreed that the Bills, when I say the Bills, I mean players and coaches, haven't spoken about a rookie like this since Trey White. And we know how good Trey White was right away and throughout the beginning of his career, really until the ACL injury. I mean, this type of impact could be huge for this football team. And I get excited. So it it makes me want to ask the question, well, how do we appropriately calibrate our expectations? And you know I've stated my thoughts on Dalton Kincaid expectations. I think he should be the number two option in the passing game, really starting fully in 2024, which is next season, and that we should see that ramp up throughout 2023, right? Like, obviously, I don't expect Dalton Kincaid to step in and be this high-volume player, but as the season moves along, for that to happen, and then going into 2024, you're like, wow, yeah, it's Diggs and Kincaid. And so I was kind of thinking, well, 60 to 70 targets as a rookie, that makes sense. But this is feeling more and more like an 80 to 90 target situation. And one thing that I do every year on this podcast, and I'll do it soon, probably in the next, I don't know, week, week and a half, two weeks, something like that, is I'll give you my projected statistics for every single Bills offensive player. And I've done pretty well over the last several years. My my shining moment was going into 2020. I was pretty close to where Josh Allen settled, right? It was his big breakout year, and I kind of predicted a lot of it. So I'm very calculated with my stat pod, and one thing that I wanted to do was let camp take off just a little bit, kind of get a feel for how guys are going to be used, and obviously I want to see some practices for myself, which will happen next week. And then from there I can – put pen to paper and, you know, go through the puzzle that is projecting what the bill stats will be. But I'm starting to feel like I got to really ramp it up here for Dalton Kincaid. And I think what's challenging, I think Kincaid's the skill sets there. I'm really excited for him. 
2024 and beyond, I feel really good about what I think he'll be. It's 2023. That's hard for me to project. And I think just overall, you're sorting out this mix of Dalton Kincaid, Deontay Hardy, Trent Shurfield, Khalil Shakir, right? All of those guys sorting out their market shares predictively is going to be hard. And then you also have to factor in how much throwing volume to running backs will exist. You know, Josh Allen's going to throw the ball 600 times this year, maybe a little more. Projecting that target distribution is going to be difficult, especially when you've kind of been feeling like they've wanted to get running backs going more and more in the passing game, and they have James Cook as this feature back, or, you know, in Bill's world feature back, not a, like a Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs feature back, but in Bill's terms, a feature back. So you're, you're, you're coupling all this together, and then you're also assuming that really not much changes for Diggs, not much changes for Knox. You have to think there's some level of impact to Gabe Davis. But the point that I want to get here, and this kind of goes back to what we discussed in the last segment about Gabe Davis and the short passing game, is the presence of a player like Dalton Kincaid, in addition to all the other guys I just mentioned, uh, Hardy, Sherfield, Shakir, that should have a positive benefit on the efficiency of targets to Gabe Davis. Let Gabe do what he does well because you do have those other options that can help you in the short passing game. There's no reason to force it to Gabe when it's just not the area that he excels. You have these other options, especially Dalton Kincaid. And so I, I hope that all kind of tied together the first segment and the second together second segment where we get into Gabe Davis and his potential impact in the short passing game. Then you kind of think, well, that doesn't really work out. Let him do what he does well. Oh, by the way, you've got this guy, Dalton Kincaid, that can really command a lot of this in addition to these other players. And blending that all together is obviously the, the big task ahead for Ken Dorsey. But as we speculate and think about this 2023 season, I think it can all work together really, really well. I don't look at this group of skill players and feel like it's lacking. There's so much versatility. Use guys the way that they're best utilized. And I think part of that's going to be getting Mr. Dalton Kincaid the football quite a bit as a rookie. All right, folks, coming up in the next segment, I want to talk James Cook and check in on some of the position battles right after a very, very quick break. All right, folks, welcome back. Have some more stuff to get into here today. But first, I would like to invite you to join the Locked On Bill subtext community, something that we started offering a few months ago, and it has been so fun. I've spent a lot of my day today actually uh, texting with uh, with you guys, right? It's it's really cool. I love that direct line, that ability to um, share more of myself with you, learn more about you guys and the thoughts that you have on the team and just discussing things. I love talking Buffalo Bills football. It is what I do. And so this subtext has been so cool. So if you want to join, there's a link in the show notes for today. So YouTube or wherever you're listening to this podcast, click on the show notes. You'll see a link and you can join the Lockdown Bills subtext community. Everybody gets a free two-week trial. Uh, but here's what you get. First of all, my favorite part, the one-on-one -on -one text conversations with me. Love talking Bills football. Do it with me. I'm only a text message away. Uh, you get priority when it comes to herd mentality. We have some exclusive content. I'll give you some regular Bills text, just stuff that I'm thinking about. You'll get my first reaction to all Bills news uh, before anyone else. We've done a few giveaways already. 
So check it out again, a link in today's show notes to join the Lockdown Bill subtext community. And again, nothing changes with the normal delivery of this podcast, simply an extra layer of engagement for anybody who might want it. All right, let's talk about a few more things here. I want to discuss James Cook a little bit because yesterday uh, I talked about Sean McDermott's comments regarding James Cook and said, look, you know, roles will be defined closer to cut down. Everything's earned. He's a second year player, et cetera, et cetera. It sounded like there was going to be some competition for James Cook in this lead running back situation. Well, Ken Dorsey couldn't have said anything more different than than what he did, uh, than what Sean McDermott, when you contrast the comments day over day, this is what Dorsey said. He said he continues to grow. And this is about James Cook. James Cook continues to grow and grow. We're excited for the experience he picked up last year. It became a two-man approach between him and Devin. We love what he can do. We love his versatility as an every down back. It's good to have a guy with that type of versatility. He's in there consistently, and it doesn't put the antenna up for the defense. Showed the ability to lower his pads, get tough yards. He'll be in the flow of the game a lot more. Pretty clear from that that James Cook's going to be this team's lead running back. How many touches does that mean? I don't know. I would guess between 175 and 215. I think that's kind of your safe range for the Bills' lead running back. But any questions that I had yesterday about this being not necessarily a defined lead back situation were very much clarified by Ken Dorsey's comments. Uh, Real quick, Ken Dorsey also said some interesting things about Deontay Hardy, which I think parlays well from the comments that were made yesterday about Deontay Hardy. Uh, He praised his separation ability and his run after catch ability, which is really fun. I think Deontay Hardy is a player that is challenging me for me to project to this offense. I mean, obviously I know what he can do, but when you start to ask yourself questions about the volume and how much opportunity and how big of a factor he is for this offense, it's it's a little bit challenging. It's it's not a matter of of if, it's a matter of how much. But as we work through these camp practices and you get more and more exposure and information and intel, starting to feel like Hardy has a lot of momentum. And it's a very useful skill set. Uh, All right, let's check in on these position battles. You know the three, cornerback two, right guard, and middle linebacker. And on day one, it was all the veterans. It was Dane Jackson, Tyrell Dotson, and Ryan Bates. Day two, as expected, you started to see some different guys in the mix. So Osiris Torrance got the first team reps at right guard with Ryan Bates not being right the starter. So you're seeing it's a legit competition, right? Day one was Ryan Bates. Day two was Osiris Torrance. Same thing at middle linebacker. Day one was Tyrell Dotson. Day two is Terrell Bernard. Got his opportunity to run with the first team. And then you saw uh, Christian Benford really command more or the most of the of the market share uh, with the first team defense opposite of Trey White. And then you saw Greg Thompson, who, who I've interacted with a ton while he's at camp practices, said, look, it was – Christian Benford, and then you saw Kyer Elam come in with the first team as well. But Christian Benford getting that first run today, and I, I'd be interested to see tomorrow. I'm guessing Kyer Elam is going to get more and more run with the first team. So three legit position battles, um, and you saw now in, in two consecutive days who's getting those opportunities really changed. And so for 
I guess for anything here is, is you do validate that these are legitimate competitions and nothing's going to be decided today or tomorrow, right? This has to play out a little bit, uh, but it's obviously something we're going to track a lot here on this podcast. And as we, you know, as I gain those exposures next week, as we see these preseason games should allow us to uh, have really have a a feel for what's going to happen and what should happen. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is that a lot of praise for Stefan Diggs and how good he was in practice on Thursday. Shouldn't be a surprise, right? He's one of the premier players in the entire NFL, but multiple beat reporters saying, look, Diggs is the best player here right now. Um, and you love to hear that, obviously, because of everything that's happened uh, with Diggs this offseason, but also that this is really his first reps. Um did team didn't do team drills. He, he was there for the one day of, of mandatory OTA practice. And it was like, he only did individual drills. And so for him to be able to step in and hit the ground running with Josh and for people this quickly to say, wow, Diggs looks great. Best player on the field. That's what you like to hear. All right, folks, camp rolls along tomorrow on Friday. We're going to hear from Matthew Smiley, the special teams coordinator in the morning. And then of course a practice. And then I'll be back around for you afterwards to break down the most notable takeaways. You never know how I'm going to attack it. Like today we talked a lot about the narratives and kind of the buzz and talked about the practical practical application. There could be some days where we look at this and talk about standouts or whatever goes down. So we'll, we'll let it happen tomorrow and then we'll respond to it. uh, However, I, I think is the most interesting way to do that. So come on back, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. We'd love it. If you took a second to rate review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.